1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Hi there, I'm Brian Banner, and you're listening to the Mall Over hey. Codpost. Uh,
3: Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mall Over podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Over Podcast. We are Mollover Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and the Google Store and lots of other places. Uh, I've not tried Alexia. I'm not entirely sure whether uh, whether she likes the Over Podcast, but uh, maybe give that a go and uh, see what happens. Um, I am joined this week by uh, Ben Eustace, who is freshly um, jabbed. Is that probably yes. the best best thing best thing for you up, to say?
0: Pfizer and up to the eyeballs, mate.
3: Absolutely Pfizer. Yeah. Um, another old man who has recently um, been injected, not uh, with meat, is Doug. Now then,
1: how are you? Uh, better than I was twenty four hours after I was jabbed
0: up. Pfizer, Pfizer, so, F- uh,
1: Oxford.
2: Just AstraZeneca. Is no, no, what
0: Brody. you're saying, that this podcast has got potential to go a little bit Dante's Fireplaces? Yes. We <laughs> start... <laughs> oh, it's a good paper. Oh, wow. I
3: mean, that's that's a reference um, that not many people will get, but I suppose our, our loyal listeners will. Um, and obviously the the two of us that are Keep saying Christ a bit further away the, the two of us that are a bit further away from forty um than the other two uh, is the uh, housewife's favorite looking apart from, the s- hey, <laughs> apart from the waistline eh, Russ <laughs> <laughs> looking looking resplendent in a very uh, a very James Harriet style gilet. um Phil Farmvet, how you
2: doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm rocking the farm vet look with a with a muddy brown coloured gilet that's uh nicely padded for this cool evening.
1: I really want you to be wearing uh, some faded red corduroys <laughs> yeah. underneath. Ch- and ch- and Chelsea boots.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've got i got one of the two of them on.
3: Definitely got Chelsea boots on. Phil Phil's never out of those Chelsea boots. In um, the boots. Right. Let's, uh, let's move on into some rugby. Um, Last week saw Warren Gatlin pick his Lions squad. Um, Interestingly enough, there were a few shocks. There were a few emissions. Um, Ben, let's, let's start with you. What, what's your biggest sort of takeaway from that Lions squad announcement last week, other than a, Thoroughly wooden performance from Jason, Lennon. Jason <laughs>
0: Lennon. Um, you can't pick a bad lion squad, really, can you? I mean, it's it'd be very difficult to do. So it's, it
1: Eddie Jones would have a go.
0: He would, yeah. Um, but you know, there were some people flipping tables on social media, and it, and I don't think that that's the right approach to take. Um. There's some I agree some I agreed with, some some that I thought are actually good moves, and and there's a few that I don't agree with. Um I'm a little bit disappointed there's no underhill in there. I think he'd be perfect for South Africa. Um rumour has it he's kind of top of the replacements chart, so he's probably likely to get out there. But I just think if you've got big men running down the sort of 910 channel, that underhill's perfect to put a brick wall in the way. Um I think he's kind of picked players to play the same way. I don't think there's a huge amount of mix and match in there. You know, um, sort of similar style players to replace similar style players. Um, I, I, like, I like the Conan pick. I think that is a good pick. So he's, he's impressed me whenever I've seen him. And I, I hadn't really considered him because he's not been starting for Ireland.
3: I mean, I I'd like that's... to. I'd like to have seen him in black and white, because then he would have been Conan the Barbarian.
2: But, um... good,
3: good, one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Was it that bad?
0: <laughs> I quite enjoyed that.
1: You're the anyway, only one. Sorry.
0: sorry. Yeah. Should we, should we? just stop the podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> have we, have we sincere peaked? apologies, everyone. We'll see you next week.
3: Have we literally hit rock bottom?
0: Yeah, I think I think really he's not. He's picked a side that isn't going to get bullied by South Africa, but he's also not going to attack them head on. I think it's designed to move them around the pitch. Um, there's a few players in there that have got in there on um, utility. You know, they can play a couple of positions. I'm looking at Elliot Daly here. Um, I think he's a little lucky to tour, but.
2: Altitude and a long boot may yeah. have helped him.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably it. Um, I, I'm no more and no less confident than I was. I, I just think it's a decent squad. Um, and I think he's picked it to play a certain way. He's got the option of a heavyweight six by picking all those second rows that can play there. He's got, a, it's a, that's a quick back row. It's a very mobile bat row that he's picked. And I think they're going to almost take a slight leaf out of the 97 Lions book. Kind yeah, of cool.
2: depends. Kind of depends where he sees Tig Burn. Although, officially, he's down as the second row. And I would agree with that as the second row. But there's been plenty of people calling for him as a six, which obviously alters that balance a bit.
3: Well, it's the same it, as picking a Toad G6, isn't it? Like, there's no yeah. difference
2: in that. Yeah, no, no. And I wouldn't say except, except, except you could probably argue
3: that Byrne is a better six than the Toji is, just about. But he's yeah. still a lock.
2: Yeah.
3: And why bother having specialist back row sixes on you know on the be- on the bench or not even on the tour when you're going to pick several um, sort of hybrid second row back row players? I find it a little bit strange.
0: I
2: mean, like Courtney Laws, I, I for instance. He's a the, row.
0: there isn't a specialist six you've got three number eights you've got curry Tipperich, and watson so they're all sevens really aren't they they could all do a job at six but they're all really sevens and then you've got if you do want a if you decide that you do want to front up a little bit more you could put and you know, a Toje Burn Laws or even Henderson at six, if you got desperate. But I suppose um,
2: it's it's
3: a is it a bench thing as well?
0: Yeah, of course it is, because you can burn on the bench gives you so you know extra options, doesn't it? They could go six uh, two on the bench with Burn. Well, they they could.
2: Oh, I think
3: they will. If, oh well,
0: I, I was thinking that they might go six two, but
3: on reflection. Would they need if they have someone like Byrne on the bench, right? Do they need to go six two? Because they could make a conscious decision then to see at what area he could have the biggest impact, whether that would be coming in at lock for um <laughs> and then you think if Maro Atoji is given away a lot of penalties being targeted by referees, and I don't we don't know who the referees are yet, but likelihood is they're gonna be Angus Gardner. I would imagine he'll be there somewhere or somewhere about. A couple of the French guys.
2: Um, Look, I think we, we need to remember we're playing South Africa in South Africa. So that uh, and potentially at altitude for for a, at least a part of the game. So I think he goes full front row replacement, he goes a designated second row replacement, a second row stroke six replacement, and another back row player, because the amount of work these guys are going to get through is just going to be phenomenal. Um and they don't really have the time to acclimatise to those kind of conditions. And I think the backs, and not meaning to be disrespectful to the backs, but I think they can probably get away with a bit more with only two covering. That's, that's my gut feel. Well,
0: he, he's going to play, you know, you could look at that back three and think you could have three international class fullbacks in that back three. which immediately... which, I think is, which I think is what it will do, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah and if he because you're but, at altitude hog, in south africa hog, a bit,
2: hog watson williams yeah,
0: yeah but even if you don't you're going to have two of those in there i would have thought injuries yeah. permitting so you've got some flexibility there if you've got uh farrell either in the team or on the bench again you've got some flexibility there um so you know you could potentially if you had that back three you could go with farrell and a scrum half on the bench and then you've covered the backs yeah, I mean, it could go. I mean, it could go like 2009, and you need like 19 substitutes. But
2: yeah, or or, and I don't think he would say he plays bigger. Farrell plays Farrell as a 12.
3: I think. You, I think that's exactly what he'll do. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you then. You then just have a centre on the bench because you have got two tens there anyway. Yeah. But I mean, in in terms of the squad coming back to to the initial th- point. Ben's right like there's there's probably the the 23 that are likely to start a test most people are going to pick 20 out of those 23 um and all of them are in that squad you could pick a handful of players who are unlucky not to be in that squad so i think ringrose is unlucky um uh, i think josh adams is unlucky when van der merwe's in there uh, josh adams I, is in there mate yeah oh, is he oh yeah. sorry um Well, balls out, didn't I? I I think Sinclair's unlucky. I think Johnny May's unlucky. Um, uh, I think Navidi's maybe unlucky. I think Underhill's unlucky. So you you can pick a handful of people who who are probably unlucky, but they're not shoe-ins. And they're probably not in many people's starting 15. Equally, you could pick a handful of people there who you could say are, are probably quite lucky to have made it. I think... Aki's bloody lucky to have made it. I don't I don't think he's um, he would be in my squad. I think Daly's lucky I to have made it. I think as
0: soon as um Tuolagi, they ruled Tuilagi out, they kind of brought Aki in because he's big a similar style, isn't he? Just a big lump to run up the middle. Um
2: I just think I think Johnny I, I Hill's just, bloody lucky to make it. I think it.
0: he is. Yeah. That's that's the one that surprised me the most. I I don't think it would do the squad any harm to get drop hill and bring Underhill in
3: doug you've been very uh passive so far if you want what what are your thoughts on that on the squad
1: Uh, i think one of the things that people have missed is that this is the most sort of balanced um nationwide squads in the the in the in memory really and i think a lot of that it's to do with, I think there maybe have been some political pressure from the unions given what's happened in the last year or so to give a fair representation from each nation to give each nation a little bit of something to cheer during, during this tour. With that in mind, I think there are some players probably that are on tour that maybe shouldn't be. I I think potentially, like we've said, Bundiaki is one potentially, um Xander Fagerson or um
0: Chris Harris.
1: Yeah, Chris Harris has shown that he, he's got a game that will work yeah, in South Africa.
0: I think I'd have picked Harris. Um, Whatever.
1: I, I, I mm. but I do think if you look at the squads, there's eight from Scotland, eight from uh Ireland, and then ten each from England and Wales. I think Ken Owens is pretty lucky to go. I'm not sure. I think that's a sentimental pick. Same with Alan Wynn. I don't I don't think Alan Wynn is... I th- I think you could point at him and say that there are at least five or six locks better than him.
2: Well, and that's what the South African press have come out and said as well. They've said you've picked somebody as your captain who wouldn't be in your first 15 and wouldn't be in the top handful of second rows in the Northern Hemisphere. You picked yeah. a, a plodder, a lazy plodder, I think they termed him. Um, well, I mean, that's as you, as you know, something rate.
1: you put on the changing room wall. and it's, Yeah. I, but yeah. I, 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 do, I do think there are some people that are unlucky to have missed out. I think should any of the fly halves go down, it would be interesting to see if they bring up Ford or Sexton. And if Ford misses out, then that's obviously a Gatlin not great in Ford. Um, you could argue that Ford's probably more unlucky to miss out than many of the sort of... No, know, Carl Sinclair's or any, anyone like that. But, um, yeah, I think it's fairly, I, I, I think South Africa have, let's not forget sort of before the world cup, South Africa were a bit of a laughing stock. They were getting pumped every, every time they played and they turned it on for three or four games. And all of a sudden they think that they're going to just walk over this lion's side. If, if you'd have, if you'd have, Asked any of us before the World Cup going into this Lions tour where we thought a Lions team would stand against South Africa, we'd have all said, I oh, will win 3 0 comfortably, probably 30 point rub-ins. Um South Africa have beaten England in a World Cup final, and all of a sudden they're the All Blacks.
3: Be interesting to see, wouldn't it? There's, there's definite, you know, they've, they've got a definite style, the Lions, like, yeah. um, South Africa and uh, warren i'm, I'm also a I'm, a, I'm a bit style. tired
1: of the of the the, the size narrative i mean, england's pack was heavier than south africa's in the in the world cup Their backs man for man were bigger
2: um, it's not necessarily numerical size i know that's a really retarded thing to say but in terms of
1: i just think it's a very it's, lazy narrative to sort of push that you it's, know,
2: that, it's it's the style of play that they bring as much as anything it's it's forward direct confrontational um it's well, I, it's, it's more about trying to dominate the the contact than it is necessarily you, about those skillful elements I mean, you say it.
1: you say that Phil, but look at the tries they scored against England in the World Cup final they weren't they 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 were a lot of the tries were spun out wide you, and you've got two flying wingers you've got de Klerk. You've yeah, you've got Andre Pollard who can and spray the ball around. I mean, it's only really... they've got a traditional sort of crash ball twelve in DLN day, but um, you know they've they've got some but big lumps but, in the second row. But every team has yeah, got big lumps in the second it's that, row.
2: It's that classic um, old school coaching game style of your forwards smash it up and then your backs take advantage of it. But but I they're think, not they're not they're not a twelve that? man they're not twelve man rugby, definitely not. But they but they hit they.
1: Sort of flogged, and we're we're sort of believing it ourselves now. I think we you, we, need can, get, we need to understand that we've got really good players as well. You
0: can totally. um you can pick a South African forward out of a lineup, couldn't you? They 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 have a, a sort of look and body type. They're sort of very yeah, it's all six years bold. of
2: anabolic steroids by the age of eighteen. Yeah, that's, and, and, that's and the South African body type, very and yeah,
0: you know that they, they perhaps don't carry quite as much weight as a European forward. It's more like sort of, mu- you know, it's all muscle, isn't it? There's no, there's not so much um, excess weight banging around on a South African forward, so maybe they don't weigh quite as much. Um, there's, but, there's probably but, there's probably a farming analogy in there somewhere, but let's not go there. Doug made the
2: Mac about Mako would not look like a South African forwards if you put a South African head on him. No, we took we took the point.
3: Yeah. We talked well, about well, this a few that's weeks ago. not true. Stephen he, he he's fat. He's, you wouldn't G- say
1: Stephen Kishoff is a yeah, fat genetically master. modified <laughs> rugby soldier, would you? He's he's Hello. just a big ginger blob.
0: I'm thinking of the sort
3: of... <laughs> Big Ginger Blob is the title yeah. of this week's podcast, by the way. And everyone's going to think you're talking about me. Yeah, they
0: are, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of kind of Exibeth and uh, Vermeulen and players like that. But,
1: yeah. Yeah, but you, you could say the same about Maro Otoje.
2: Yeah, you could.
1: And, yeah. And
2: that's, but... that's
3: the point you're, you're making is whilst there's a perception that they... And as a as a nation, as a team, are physical and big and strong. I mean, like it's all relative, isn't it? Because you look at Tom Curry, Doug. Doug you made the point weeks and weeks ago about Villa, Billy Vinopola carrying into contact, and you just got to watch the sp- speed versus whatever the equation for force or whatever. what were you saying about that? Time momentum, time. mass times momentum? Yeah, like you can have somebody running not as fast but bigger to cause a big collision. Or you could have something that's slightly smaller, running a lot faster. And to- watching Tom Curry go into contact now, and people like Underhill, people like Hamish Watson, who, by the way, Sam has Simmons. the... Sam Simmons has the most... Hamish Watson has got the- one of the most incredible salads for a barnet I think I've ever seen at the moment. <laughs> it's pure... He's, a, he's exer- also
1: the most English man ever.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that,
1: so what, what I want someone to do is dub the Hamish Watson interview where he's talking about being selected as a lion, but with a drunk Glaswegian accent over <laughs> the top of it.
3: Brilliant. And you mentioned Sam the Simmons there. He actually
1: seems Scottish.
3: Yeah. You mentioned Sam Simmons there. That's obviously unbelievable. Um, Warren Gatlet sees something in him and the way he operates to pick him over the likes of, you know, you, you think about Ben Earle, who Eddie seems to favour in the England team. <laughs> You know, does it point to a way that he's going to look to play? Does it look to point to say Sam Simmons could actually be that sixth forward on the on the bench in the test side that says actually you could play you could play across the back row and you can offer something completely different? You know, he's basically a set. I I you know, this has probably been said and we have said it many times. I I'd love to see Sam Simmons against South Africa in the center. Not that it'll ever happen, but imagine that DLN and
1: Simmons. I'd just like to see Sam Simmons picked for England by a coach who isn't a massive isn't cunt? so arrogant he can't be the person that decides that he's good enough.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean... It, I think it just... It also shows the Lions aren't going to play like England, which is a good thing after this Six Nations. But, you know, even even England's plan A, when it works, the Lions aren't going to play quite like that. They're going to be attacking wider Ooh. channels rather than... I don't so think they don't think, play like the Crusaders, eh? Or I don't think it's...
1: whoever the team is that Gatland coaches down there.
3: Oh, uh, the, was it the Chiefs? They got the Chiefs, that's it. Um, no, I think it's more of a case of they are the Lions are going to play with the ball. They aren't going to go down the Eddie Jones route of well, we'll give you the ball and then we'll just make loads of tackles and make you make mistakes. I think Gatlin wants to play with the ball more which you know in rugby terms has got to be got to be good for everyone and I think
0: all I was going to say is is I'm a bit I don't know I think Slade's been okay for England but there was there was just something in sort of a a gut feeling I had that he was good that the lion shirt would be the making of him
3: yeah I I agree I
0: thought I thought maybe it would have been you know it just would have fitted him and it's a shame he's not going, but uh... you know,
3: you know, the impact, you know, you know, when Jonathan Davis first yes. came outside Jamie Roberts, was it that was it the Australia tour mm. um, two tours ago? And he, he kind of said burst onto the scene, but he'd been playing well for Wales and then he turned up in that Australia tour and he was phenomenal. And I, th- and, and that sort of the way that Gatland plays, I thought could have really suited Henry Slade,
0: yeah, I think so. As, op- as
3: opposed to just kicking the ball away and not allowing him to do what yeah. he does,
0: I think some players just just grow into the jersey, don't they? Like I'm thinking about like Rob Kearney and four years before that, you know, and uh, yeah, it was a little. That was not a disappointment because I think you know there's there's good arguments for, to have other players in the squad, but I, I just did think that that might have been like a, a a good flyer to take. But uh, four years' time, Redpath and um, Slade might be a good bet. Oh, I'm not having Redpath, mate. Sorry.
2: Not He's dead it. to you. Dead <laughs> to you, is it? <laughs> well,
1: no, he'd be dead to a South African when they pick him up and, and snap him in half and use it and pick the clingers out of their arseholes. I yeah, mean, well, go... Play Australia to Aust-
0: in four years' time, though. <laughs> <laughs>
3: God knows what Australia will be like in four years' time. But, you know, that's if we're ever allowed, you know, as a back in there. Ever as a nation, say ever let visitors back there ever again. Um, I've completely lost with my trailer thought. Um, a couple of a couple of shock selections. Obviously, you mentioned Johnny Hill. Um, one person that's not really been mentioned so far is Van der Merwe. Um, over, well, I had him in of...
1: my starting team when we uh, floated it out while we were thinking of other things to do on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. You, uh,
3: you and Gats could good, good mates. You what? I don't. It's, it's an old. No, one, I'm it. just
1: a rugby savant, mate. I know what I'm talking about. I'm like
3: you <laughs>
1: <laughs> a rugby savant. <laughs>
3: um, I, I've got to be honest. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that he's been picked. But when you look at the other wingers, it kind of makes sense.
2: Is he not just making up the numbers of Sc- of the Scottish contingent? He ain't getting anywhere near that Test side. No, no I, yeah,
0: I've I've got reservations about, especially about his defence. But um, he must Can't... know all the good bars, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think it's I, I think it's just a geography thing. I think he was going going there to see his family, and they thought, <laughs> well, we'll save on the plane ticket. It is it is a a sort of
1: you know, we we grow up as British people who like rugby, wanting to play for the Lions, and it being like the pinnacle of our rugby playing you know, environment, and then you get...
2: Van like, and yeah, Van Der Merver.
1: Duan Van Der and, you know, it's like... I mean, I think that there should almost be, like, an obligation to change their name. <laughs> so <laughs> it, you it, think it is... should become, like, I don't know, Duan David McMurra, or something yeah. like
0: <laughs> o- that. O- <laughs>
2: The yeah. thing is the lines can set their own
3: <laughs>
2: their own residential requirements as as they see fit. they've just chosen to go with the ones that everybody else goes with so that, so that they can perceive that they're picking the best team. I mean let's be honest, Talupe Falata doesn't sound overly Welsh, but he's as Welsh but as at they least can. You
1: can make that sound Welsh
3: <laughs> <laughs> go on then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you?
3: I really would. You know, I'd like even more if Ben did it. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. Oh, uh, um, a couple of people. Well, James Ryan was another
2: one so, that missed out. So Falatau was seven when he moved to Wales, six or seven. So you think fair enough. Um, yeah, James Ryan. I'm I'm not that fussed about James Ryan to be honest. We've got such a yeah. He probably fits in that handful that are above, Win Win Jones. But we've got so many second rows coming out of our ears that are that are pretty similar. I I don't know. Again, I think we can we can argue the toss about ultimately people who are squad players and are there for the midweek games. I I'm not really that fussed about that. I'm, I worry more about um who's going to be in that 23 at the weekends.
0: I'm. Okay. I'm not. I'm not so with you guys on the Alan wynne Jones isn't that great argument either. I do think he's better than we're giving him credit for.
3: Well, he's an inter- he's an international lock. But, <laughs> yeah, you know he. Ah, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not wearing him. Other than his uh, apparent leadership qualities, um, I'm not having him as a as a, as an effective second row. Give
1: me a yeah. premiership no. team he gets into, Ben.
0: Bath, he'd walk into bath team. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Give me, I, I give me one he wouldn't get in. He wouldn't get in at Saints. Wouldn't I, get in I, at Exeter. I'd, he would get in at Exeter. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. I'd, he wouldn't. I'd, I'd have adam James over. not a prayer he'd get in at Exeter. I'd have him over both of those.
1: No,
2: no, no. Did you're you have wrong. Him over
1: Johnny Hill and any one of the South Africans.
2: Or, or Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray.
0: Johnny, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I do think he's better than Johnny Gray for sure.
3: You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Without any basis or fact, you're wrong. Yeah, we, we've uh, we've,
0: just, we've
3: we've talked with Alan and James to death, haven't we? I'm just the, the
0: looking. Um, <laughs> I think you know <laughs> you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the squad pictures on the official Lions website, and uh, none of them look happy, do they?
1: Well, and how Paul, does. they look like they've been made to pay out of their own pockets for those horrible shirts.
2: Karen <laughs> pretty... Dickey, Dickey looks like he knows your deepest secrets.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Andrew Paul served me a coffee out of the back of a horse box the other day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Are they, do you think they're all told to like, you know, look moderately mean? I mean, Ty Byrne and Bundy both smiling, Damn Bigger.
2: Bundy
1: smiling.
3: He didn't play for
1: Ireland in the summer. <laughs>
2: Connor, <laughs> Connor Murray looks like he's just come out of a six-week six stay in a hospital he, somewhere.
3: He's, he's another one that's a fucking miracle he's made it, by the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is like, it's, it's, it's Thomas Williams um, injured at the moment? Pass. But there are, there are still there are
3: still plenty of other nines. I mean, bloody... Um, Gibson Park played most of the Six Nations for Ireland, didn't
1: he? He's shit, though. Bit.
3: He is shit, but was Conor Murray there for experience, mid bit of midweek experience? And you've also got to ask yourself, like, what kind of what kind of tour is this going to be? Without there is going to be yeah. no fans, there is going to be no. That's one thing like, I wanted to say, actually. Like,
1: I want the Lions midweek games to be against like Transvaal and. Yeah. West Gre- Gre- I don't was. want to be against the Stormers and like super rugby team that no one gives a shit about. I want to see proper South African farmers beating the shit out of people. <laughs> Do you know? Not, not, not second rate, you know, international players. I want proper gnarly shit filling <laughs> people in off the ball with really nice kits. Like '97. That's basically what
3: happened in '97.
1: Yeah, I want that. Things were better when I was
3: younger. <laughs> uh, sounds like a new regular feature. Things that better. Things that were better when Doug was younger. <laughs> Everything. Everything. But yeah, no, I just mean like from a touring point of view. Like the Lions. The Lions tours have always been about. Sort of inclusivity and meeting people and going to different areas and to like a real say PR thing, but it is like public a lot of public relations, isn't it? It brings used to like usually brings a lot of money to countries. It it gets people involved. It captures the spirit. And not being able to do any of that, you know, how much how much do you think it's going to feel like a Lions tour other than having some midweek rugby and you know. The best the best thing about the Lions tours usually is when they're in South Africa, uh, when they're in Australia and New Zealand, and the midweek matches
2: are at nine
3: o'clock in the morning. I yeah, start drinking I, early.
2: So definitely I think out there isn't going to feel like a Lions tour. Um uh, like things are still gonna be relatively different in South Africa to the point where yeah, there's the, you're not going to get that kind of cultural angle that you, you usually get in a Lions tour. Having said that, um, we're not going to be out there anyway, so that's largely irrelevant. For us, it's just going to be some rugby matches. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and talking of rugby matches, let's, let's move on slightly um, from the Lions. England have got a couple of tests in the summer, playing USA and Canada at Twickenham. Um, and there's also going to be uh, an England A fixture in a year that also has a Lions tour, which seems a really, really odd, odd thing to do. Um, so with these with these main guys not involved this summer, who who do we think's going to uh, going to push for Eddie Jones's selection? in the summer for these, these two internationals. Do you think we're going to see a really, really experimental squad, or are we going to see some sort of basic fundamentals with a, with a few others sprinkled in? Well, I
1: said it Jones, so they'll probably pick exactly the same squad with some absolute curveballs thrown in. I, I mean, you, you might get to see someone like, um,
0: uh, who, oh, who hasn't
2: been spoken about ever. In Ma- will start, um, uh, Marcus Smith will do nothing all summer. Emmanuel will start for, for the England team, and then George Ford will start for the A team, just to confuse things. Um, and Joe Simmons and Marcus Smith will just have the summer off. Um, they'll have. You'll
1: probably get, you'll probably get um, Jamal Ford Robinson starting for the
2: England. Will we'll, Will Chudley? Yeah. Henry yeah. Thomas will come back in.
1: What you should do, what we should do, what, what any podcast who's worth their salt would do is go through and look at all the apprentice players that he's called up, put them in a pot and pick a team from those. But none of those will
2: get a look in because Eddie's forgotten he picked them. <laughs> well, or he's only picked them to stop some other country picking them. Yeah. They've done their job. It, to like Tommy Tommy, Re- Tommy
3: Ruffle Tommy Ruffell, Dave Ribbons,
2: George, George Martin. He'll be in. George
1: Martin.
0: They're going You'd imagine that the A fixture is just another fixture, really, because it's an A team anyway, isn't it? The Lions aren't there. It popped. It popped into my head as we
3: first started discussing this that. Usually every year they have some sort of quilter cup bullshit non-cap international against the barbarians, don't they? And
1: Josh really does think he's bullshit, mate.
3: No, but he didn't play, did he? You know, in fairness to Josh. I mean it would lovely I'd love to see him get a, a, a you know some sort of representation because we'll we'll talk about Josh in a minute. But um like uh Don Brandt played a couple of years ago, didn't he? And Doug's mate Josh Bassett and um, like loads of random players playing that non cap international. And it just makes you think that, you know, if that's what they're going to do, they're going to play, they play in Scotland Day. Scotland Day. at Welford Road. Like, I mean, I can't imagine Scotland Day are going to be tremendous, but it it does give an opportunity to to those people. To, will
2: it not be the, the be same for, for Scotland though? That it will just be their first team. It's just a, it's just a non uh, a non cap, England Scotland. I mean, is riding on it?
0: Because we're we're playing USA and Canada, aren't we? That's the, yes. the actual England fixtures. Now, it, does this suggest that maybe he's going to pick the bones of, you know, the team, his normal team, and he's using this A fixture as a sort of dress rehearsal to see who he wants, or does that make too much sense?
3: I mean, it probably makes too much sense, Ben. But, you know, you think this summer, the USA and Canada, no matter who we pick from a premiership, like from an England-available premiership, uh, that aren't on the Lions, we should beat them. We should beat all three of those.
0: Those were the Saxons' fixtures at one stage, weren't they? Well, absolutely.
3: So, like... You would you would hope that the likes of Marcus Smith, Alex Dombrant, um oh god, my mind has stuck it Harlequins like Tommy Flaherty. Like, yeah, how could he
2: be? Well,
0: I'm I'm thinking well, Stuart and the Glamville are top yeah. of my list.
2: Oli Oli House for Collins. Yeah, like, there's a there's a whole raft of people who almost deserve an opportunity to see how they cope with a bit of added pressure you, you and get know... exposure to that under under a bit less issues than bringing them in in a, in a high-pressure game. have not
1: mentioned Joe Simmons once?
2: I've said him twice.
1: Well, I wasn't listening.
2: <laughs> so, you know, Joe Simmons,
3: no, and, but, but Joe I, Simmons is in direct I, I competition treat... now with Ford and, and Smith, isn't he? But I, I, you know, you know my feelings on Joe Simmons.
0: You'd you, you think it was a good opportunity to give Ford, um, Slade, Slade, Noel, players like that that have got 30, 40 caps, just give them the summer off.
2: Yeah, if they go we'd... with the
0: Lions, so much the better. But
2: you got, yeah, you've got to remember these, these guys had a uh... A last time we're
1: off with twenty five grand on the line per game.
2: No, then well maybe that's the whole point of the A team fixtures—you don't have to pay them full fees. (laughs) Maybe it's a cost cost saving exercise. But But they've had a
1: how long until until Six Nations fixtures are A team
2: games? (laughs) Exactly, they've had a um, a prolonged season because the end of last season ran straight into the start of this. Um, There's some there's a few players who probably wouldn't say no to a rest. Uh, no, but no, but there'll be
3: lots. Not, say no to twenty-five, that wouldn't say no to twenty-five grand more to Doug's exactly. point. But I tell you who, um, like the likelihood of that won't get picked. So the likes of Ollie Lawrence and and Paolo Dogru probably won't be anywhere to be seen this summer. Yeah, tell her. You spent um, you spent the Six Nations in the squad. It was a shit show. Um, that was not what I owe to your fault because you spent about a combined seven minutes on the pitch. Um, but you're not if, getting picked. If, if
1: Joe Simmons doesn't get a mention in any of these squads and Jacob Umanger plays, I'm going to start flipping tables.
2: Hey, look, the last, I don't know what, three weeks or so have have shown where the hierarchy sits in young, young English fly for me. You've got Joe Simmons who plays that controlling role at 10, maybe not maybe not as expansive and not as much magic, but does a great job of of controlling the team, sits top of the pile on that lot. You've got Marcus Smith if you want somebody who's expansive, who can turn a game and read things and is is just a magician, top of the pile of that. And Umanga is very much Marcus Smith's understudy in that in that role. Um and it's and it's been obvious from the recent games. I mean Marcus Smith just, uh, I think he was almost trolling Umanga a little bit when Quinns played Wasps, when he got the ball and uh, just ghosted around the outside of him. It wasn't even that Umanga made a poor attempt to tackle him. He didn't even get a finger on him.
1: The problem they've well, all got, Simmons, Umanga and Smith, is that George Ford's 27. Yep.
3: 29, isn't
2: he? Either way, he's got years ahead still, of him.
3: Still, yeah, still not old.
0: That's fair. Well, He's got another well,
2: World Cup cycle in him, at least. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, what about this? Uh, He's
2: 28. There you go.
0: <laughs> Robson, Smith, Thorley, Devoto, Marchant, Bassett and Stewart. How does that sound?
1: It sounds great. But if you take that, if that's your World Cup side, you're getting pumped.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what about if that's your world cup side in, 2027? Getting pumped. in this, 2027 pumped this is your chance
0: doug this is your chance. this is the chance that you've been talking about for years of getting different players in
1: yeah no i'm not i'm not disputing that what i'm saying is that i don't think
0: that balance is right no but you, you could get say you got three of them in your next world cup squad it'd be worth it wouldn't yeah, it well i take i'd immediately
1: take smith I'm not sure Marchant's ever going to cut it at international level. Um, Thorley seems to have lost a bit of the magic. I don't know if Mm. he's been worked out slightly. Um, Robson, yeah, probably. But I think Spencer's better. And I think Alex Mitchell will be better.
0: Yeah, I I think Spencer's better as well. I think Spencer might have been a good shout for the Lions squad, to be quite honest. But... Mm
3: what what the bloody you know what's happened to mcconachie is he just perennially, perennially perennially injured now is he just injured all the time it's like, a mystery in it it really is a
1: mystery right like,
0: he's got oh, a good to not
3: getting in bath's team yeah less than a year they seem like, to really like they seem to really like that will muir don't they at bath mm-hmm. um the X7s lad. And Alex Gray getting a lot. I mean, we'll come on to you Yeah, You know, you know a draft.
1: name we haven't mentioned in any of these sort of discussions is Max Malins. Yeah. Who apparently can play anywhere. I mean, he played a...
3: Well, yeah. He is an exceptional rugby player. Yeah. I, we did I, one of
1: those I, video I podcasts a few years ago. Uh, and I said that we, we all picked a young player that we'd like our team to sign. I said that I wanted Saints to sign Max Malins. It's on YouTube. It's on their uh, Facebook. If you go to our Facebook I, page, that video's still there. But um, I don't.
2: I don't really buy the whole Max Malins thing. yet. Really?
1: Yeah. I hey, don't. No.
2: Don't get. I think he's an right. Rolls
1: Royce. I'm telling you. He's. Brilliant. Yeah.
2: He scores. He's... Oh
3: yeah.
1: I'm he scores.
2: He, yeah. He scores. He scores. He scores amazing tries. He scores champagne tries. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. See him as an all round rugby player, yeah. I don't know. I, I just it's, it's a really hard thing for me to explain why. I just I, I watch him and I go, Yeah, you're okay, but I don't buy into the hype that you're the best thing since he, Iceberg.
1: He could be, in my opinion, he could be our version of um Bowden Barrett, mm.
0: but at what position, Doug?
1: Well, exactly. Barrett can play any position for the All Blacks, I think Malins could play 10, 15, 11, 13 for England comfortably. Yeah, but Bowden
2: Barrett Barrett is New Zealand's best 10 and in the top two 15s. I don't see Max Max Malins as our best 10 or our best 15.
1: But I think wherever he's gone and he's he's played for Saracens and Saracens aren't going to Saracens can't drop Owen Farrell. They could potentially play him at 12 to accommodate Malins at 10, but Malins is equally good at 15, to so play him at 15. And believe yeah, but, the they, were, but they were playing,
2: playing 15. But yeah, they were primarily for playing, but they were playing good at 10 when Farrell wasn't there.
1: Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but Malins was injured a lot of the, the year they went down.
2: Yeah. I don't
1: I, know. I, I feel, I, I, you know, I, you know how I feel about Saracens. I genuinely believe that Max Malins.
2: Yeah, the fact that you're being you're and... saying something Bowden positive Barrett. about a Saracens player means that he must be. You must think he's absolutely amazing. Um, but so I, I don't think there's a single player, person in the world who likes rugby who doesn't look at Bowden Barrett at ten and go, "Holy fuck! You're That's you're playing a, a different game to everybody else." Yeah. And I just don't see that with Malins. Um, I, just I don't think we've seen him enough at, there t- at the
1: highest level. When he played there for the England under-20s in that tournament when I think it was over here where we won it and Harry Malinder was playing as well. Was it that? Was it that maybe it wasn't that tournament. But anyway, when I saw him playing at 10 for England under-20s and he was picking the ball at first receiver, just gliding through, you know, he...
3: He's a he's a different class of player, honestly. Uh, when I've seen him play ten for Bristol, he's looked like that. They played wasps earlier this season or back in He's ago. got
1: levels, man. Like he just he can just turn on at the gas and just disappear. And mm-hmm. it, it, I, he's one of those players that doesn't look like he's fast, but he's obviously is, and that and that's very much like Bowden Barrett.
0: I think um yeah, that that is Bowden Barrett. I, I I've been more impressed with him at ten than at Fifteen, I did. I did think he did pretty well for England in that one game he played, and then he was unfortunate to get injured. But I am completely on the steward hype train.
2: Uh, so, yeah. so I, I think... just
0: think he's a just a classic fullback, and I've been really impressed with Tom De Glanville as well. I think he's really good at, at, he, as a fullback. You can't just keep saying Bath players.
2: You <laughs> <He> can, <laughs> and, he <will>. he can <laughs> and he will. So, um, coming back to the Malins thing at, at ten. I think what it is is I think he he almost tries his decision making I think sometimes he tries to do those those things too often um in in the way I read it and I'm and I'm stumbling over my words because I'm finding it really hard to articulate it for something that I'm it's just a feeling it's something in my head that I'm not 100% sure of Marcus Smith when he first came came onto the scene 2 years ago as an 18 year old he would try things when it wasn't on and him now is a much more rounded player. He understands senior rugby a lot better. And, and there is a big difference between under 20s and, and senior rugby. Um, purely. It very much echoes come...
1: of when Cristiano Ronaldo first started playing for Man United. Yeah. Smith. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Doing totally. the step overs when you yeah. didn't need to do them. Yeah, exactly. And then he and... works
1: it out and he's unstoppable.
2: And twelve months ago, you were you were raving about Marcus Smith, Doug, and saying how amazing he was, and I was a bit like, "Nah." And I I buy it now. I totally buy Marcus Smith. If you want to play that kind of rugby, if you want to play a more controlling game of rugby, you go with the Joe Simmons. But if you want to play that type of rugby and you've got the players to take advantage of it, hundred percent go with Marcus Smith. Um, Max Malins, I just he just looks like he's. I think he's too old to be trying too hard, if that makes sense. Um and and in that regard, I just don't see him being as good as the hype. I'm not saying he's a bad player, I'm not saying he's not England material. Just some people spend their entire life trying to masturbate all over him. And I, I don't I don't get it.
0: But that's classic of, of any England player that's not in the starting fifteen. Like you know, if you listen to Twitter, Sam Simmons is the best forward in the world, which he isn't. He's a great player, no. but he's not. He's, you know, there's fundamental flaws. Yeah. There's you a, know, yeah. He's, he's not the best number eight in the Lions squad. Fact. Um, Who is that?
3: Oh, yeah, because he plays above. Okay. Yes. <laughs> 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 um, but
0: yeah, oh, you, you're right, disclosure. Ben's
3: literally
1: wearing a bath shirt.
0: <laughs> and um, and like now Marcus Smith is the best fly half in the world, you know, and he he trans- single-handedly transformed that England team. And and that's not true. He's a really good young fly half and he's playing out of his skin and he should be in the squad. But you know, all of England's problems aren't going to be solved by Marcus Smith coming into the team. And you know. There was, a, there was a corner of, of rugby Twitter that wanted him bust into the Lions squad. Yeah.
2: And, yeah, and, I, think... all, and I suppose all we're saying is that Marcus Smith is, has the potential to have a strong future as England 10. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I know listeners of this podcast who think it's an absolute travesty that Malins didn't start all of the games in the Six Nations. Um, and I'm just a bit more chill on him.
1: I think the, these players' next 10 years will be decided at the whim of who the next England coach is. If yeah. we get Pat Lam in, Marcus Smith is going to win 150 caps. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. And Max Malins will win 100 caps as well because he'll be playing fullback. If so... we get Warren Gatland in, then we're going to see Ford and Farrell for the next 20 years because I think they'll be wheeled out on Zimmer frames.
2: So to put it into context, Max Malin's made his debut for Saracens at the same age as Marcus Smith is now. Uh, and that, I think, says something.
1: Yeah, but Saracens. I mean, I were guess Marcus Smith cheating. ended Nick, Nick Evans'
3: career,
2: right? Uh, I don't know. Nick Evans must be 68 now.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but your but your, no, point, think- your point your point that, that Max Malin's made his debut for Saracens when Marcus the age of Marcus Smith is now, Saracens dominated English and European yes. rugby for the last seven years through finance, systematic financial doping yeah. and and Owen Farrell.
2: Yeah. And, and and for a third of the season they were without Owen Farrell and loads of other players who were off playing for England and Malin still couldn't get a game.
3: I don't think it's a fact that he couldn't get a game. I think that's I think that's wrong. I think the Harlequins okay, and, and Saracen situations so, aren't even
2: remotely no, similar. No, I know. But but you're if, comparing them, Phil. No what, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is Marcus Smith has, if you compare Marcus Smith now <laughs> as a 20-year-old with Max Malins as a 24-year-old, Marcus Smith has got so many of the errors out of his game. And Max Molins hadn't even played a single game of Premiership rugby. But
3: I think that again, that's because Marcus Smith was thrust in at the deep end when Nick Evans had had finished, and that you know that's the way that the Quins have done it. Saracens, uh, a slightly more risk averse, slightly slightly yes, could afford to ease him in. Slightly more risk averse um, when it comes to not. Financial doping, and um,
2: but they throw Ben Earl in as an eighteen-year-old horse for courses, isn't it?
3: It's easier to throw, it's easier to throw in an eighteen-year-old back row player than it is to put in a, an 18, 19 year old
0: they, they they eased um, they, they eased even Atoje and and Farrell in, you know, back in the day. They they didn't throw them straight in. Um,
1: Why would you throw Max Malins in at the expense yeah. of Farrell or?
0: It's not well, they having, had, so, um, having someone sat for a long time,
2: having someone sat on the bench and and exposing them to to Premiership rugby is not throwing them in, not when not when actually you know full well you're going to go out and play some games and stick fifty sixty points on teams. So Didn't you he have, have an injury as well. Ten minutes of rugby. Look,
1: I, I I agree with what you're saying to an extent, but I just think he's a victim of the club he was at because. They, there is a very clear, a very clear direction from Saracens that they sort of lead players in gradually. There's no, you know, we're Saracens, we've got all these players, we don't need to. I, I'm
3: sure if Marcus Smith would have been at Saracens, it would have been the same story. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think next season, when Max Melins goes back to Saracens, he will be number one in whatever position they choose to play in, which will probably be fallback.
0: Yeah. You know who was good. Jeremy Guskett. Play for back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant.
1: You, wait, brilliant. You, to, you, know, you know it's over for Ben from an analysis point of view when he starts
3: praising Stuart Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did have some questions in earlier. We, we already saw Simon Dixon. We've already started talking about the, um, the, England, uh, the England stuff for this summer. The potential ins and outs. Uh, another question from the Cornish incomer, um, which is something I wanted to get onto about the whole Kyle Sinclair thing, going back towards the Lions, but specifically the media in general. Is uh, what what are your thoughts on the rugby press uh, collectively pulling themselves around the room by their mickeys over Sinclair <laughs> getting them getting a bit upset oh, that,
2: because that's as
1: he good was good a time as any for me to make my escape to the toilet rather than slag off the people I work with.
3: Uh, um but yeah there's been a lot of a lot of um media coverage of that carl sinclair interview there was a thing in the rugby paper about carl sinclair carl sinclair angry it was just a a headline which he, he is angry and he's upset about not being picked for the lions but this whole thing about him getting upset in an interview after just coming off the pitch after playing 80 minutes of rugby um to be forced upon difficult questions for the light about the lions it it all seems a bit circle wanky to me i don't know what you guys think about it and then ugo Monia started to cry in an interview with pat lamb because carl Sinclair hasn't been picked for the lions i just find it find it all so, a
2: bit odd so i watched the interview and actually I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great to see a sports person sharing genuine emotion and trying to express themselves. And it it made me vaguely more excited about the Lions, the fact that that's how rugby players feel about it. Whatever dick wads want to write in the papers, it's up to them. But I think it's fairly clear to say that rugby media is made up of a load of, uh, a load of dinosaurs supplemented by ex-players who love to spout utter bollocks um, and actually add zero insight to the enjoyment of the, of the uh, general rugby viewer. The exception to that, I would say, is David Flatman, who I find to be quite humorous and actually explained some stuff rather than just repeating what the other commentators have said in a slightly different way. Ben?
0: Um, I, I thought fair play to Sinclair he said what he thought and you know he, he must be feeling down about not being in the squad I think most people would um, you know it's not it's not earth-shattering news is it player disappointed not to be picked I, I just think that
3: that is the key Right. I, and I'm, I've got nothing against like, I, I, literally it was great to see an honest interview. I'm all for an honest interview. Like in fact, he was getting a bit upset. Great. Like he was honest. He was emotional. It's fine. But the whole media circus, like wanking on about it because, oh, it's, it's such a great thing that he's showing such emotion. It's so good that he's doing this. It's so good that he's doing that. It's just normal. It's just a normal bloke talking about not being selected for something that he really wanted to be selected for.
2: But the what, problem what did, is,
3: what what do people expect?
2: But the problem is, most most sports stars have that kind of normality in press uh, interviews coached out of them. You
0: have I don't Ellis think Genge, they
2: do. or like, for not whatever reason, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's so many interviews where people just play play platitudes, pay platitudes to things, um, and and Ellis Genge gets ripped to shreds whenever he comes out and says anything honest. Now. He speaks like somebody who's brought up in Bristol because he was. Um, and he doesn't always come across as being the most eloquent. But actually, we're, we're in a situation now where having a personality and expressing yourself makes you stand out. You don't hear anything that there would be, I don't know, I would guess there's 30 or 40 people who are, who are disappointed they didn't get selected, either didn't get selected or didn't get a phone call or a letter. Um, from Gatland about the lines, the pr- the problem is there's only one of them who's uh, who's ended up being interviewed.
3: Yeah, the only the only one that got man of the match. Nobody spoke to Johnny May after the after the game. Nobody spoke to Henry Slade after the game. You know, it, it just you know it, it was an interview. It was an honest reaction. He should be applauded. He should be applauded for giving an honest reaction. And then we should all just move on. I just don't I don't see why such a big Big things been made of it, and as I say, then Ugamanya carrying on like I'm not entirely sure what to think about that. If I'm I'm, I'm, honest.
2: I'm um, done with Ugamanya at the moment. Yeah, well let let's not let's not go into that because you know I
3: draw the line and be kind, eh? Um, <laughs> right next, some random noises. Right, Bristol. Let's let's talk about Bristol versus Buff Ben for a bit. Um, Bath started well. Simon Dixon wants to know, do Bristol need a plan B or is their plan A uh, with Rodrada and Pietal, etc., good enough? Uh, and it's best to just double down on it. Against the Tigers, they didn't fire a shot in the first half, but they swept it away in the second a bit like they did with Bath at the weekend. Um, is it enough to beat extra in the final? So, I mean, did, I think they... but did, did Bristol really put that performance in or did
0: Bath throw it away? Um, well, I do think they do need a plan B and they might have one because they were, they were actually struggling in the first half because um, Bath just put a huge amount of pressure on Sheedy. They just, they just rushed out, got into Sheedy's base um, or whoever was, you know, acting in that receiver slot. And um, like McNally had a great first half. Miles um, Reed played really well and um, Bayless and, and, you know, they, they did defend well because Bristol started off, they looked like they were going to um, carve Bath up a little bit and then Bath got what has to be called two pretty lucky tries. Um, and, you know, Bristol looked a bit, bit clueless, um, but then straight after half-time they changed it and um, Bath didn't have an answer. Um, but you know if it's Exeter, Exeter would have an answer. And, and they would probably not come out and do exactly the same thing after halftime either. Um, yeah, you know, and, and Bath's real Achilles' heel at the moment is their set pieces. They got absolutely crushed in the scrum. That's got to be a fourth or fifth game in a row that I've watched where they've been battered up front. Line out fell apart a little bit. Absolutely no um, issues with that red card. On the no. done. Um so, can't do anything about that. So you know, Bath did implode a little bit, but they were already beaten. Um, Bristol had, had changed their tactics and, and had got on top.
3: Well, they but, but it was an obvious tactic for Bath to to get on Sheedy early to stop him playing. So they they were rushing Sheedy, and as soon as sort of Bristol worked that out, they just basically stopped giving the ball to Cadem Sheedy and they were playing off nine. And they were missing, and they were they were they were doing sort of the the behind passes and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, and the, that. and they they just kept sort of persevering with um with the offloading, you know, out of tackles and just before tackles, and and it just you know Bath had to crack in the end, and they did. Um, you know, Bristol good side, um, but they. They, I don't think they're reliant on those big names, but you know they were they were relatively quiet in this game, and it was it was more sort of unheralded players that that sort of carried them through. Really, their front five.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, looking at
0: can
1: looking we, at the Can we premiers- just talk? On. I feel like we're burying the lead here. Can we talk about why Stuart
3: Hooper tucks his socks into his tracksuit? It's very, it's very nineties BMX chav, isn't
2: it? So he wears, he wears I mean, tucks his tracksuit into his socks.
3: Yeah, tucks his tracksuit into his socks
1: and Correct. then wears. I in a brief coat so- with a hoodie underneath. Um, I think... It's incredible. It's an incredible look for a for a grown adult. <laughs> I mean, fair enough if you're hanging around outside a train station, but <laughs> if you're director a rugby, a bath. For goodness sake, at least put some
3: mustard chinos on. I mean, you, 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 you'd maybe expect that sort of behavior at sale or, you know, maybe yeah. Newcastle, but Bath.
1: I'm going to try and find a picture of it
3: because
1: I, I feel like you're not really appreciating how bad it is. I'm really not.
3: I don't think I've ever noticed it. So with, I with want the baseball guy. cap that's
1: too small for his
3: head. Uh, we t- the took Tony, the Tony Pulis baseball cap.
1: Yeah, and the red jacket—it's it, an astonishing look for a for a fully grown adult.
3: Um, for honest. Bath, Elliot Stuke has just signed for Wasps. Do you see that, Ben?
1: Yeah, next season. I mean, he's good news he's, from McNally. Yeah, good news for Josh
3: McNally. He's, he's done. Josh well, has been but... brilliant, by the way. He was good, really good on Saturday in that sort of first sixty minutes. Well, he's Bristol. now, isn't he? Uh, he is captain when Elliot, uh, when Charlie Ewels
0: isn't there or banned, I think. Um, yeah Stoop Stoop's been good for Bath was he been there three, four years he's um, just a know, massive but, guy isn't he yeah he's just a big unit you know it's not it's not gonna shatter the earth and leave him leaving but you know he's, he's putting a good shift for them
3: um, another question from your friend Lloyd Ben uh, did Ben enjoy the Bristol versus Bath game yeah first half was great do, do you want a personal response to Lloyd
0: yeah first half <laughs> was great any
3: anything personal you wanna you wanna talk to him about?
0: Nah, I'm trying to get a rise at I me. Feel like
3: <laughs> I feel like there's a joke coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's not. Um, uh, what else have we got here? Um, we we got a question about Cipriani to Bath. Would it stop the rot or make things worse? I think it's going to make absolutely no difference whatsoever. Probably
0: it it the depends highest. why. It, it depends if the rot is on the pitch or off the pitch. If the rot is off the pitch, it'll probably make it worse. If it's on the pitch, they'll be a bit more creative. Um, but the, the backs aren't bath back problem, so you're right. You know, yeah. it's not. It's not again. It's not the, the cure all, is it?
3: And we got we, we got a question from Ben Bacon as what if you could bring an NFL rule or process into rugby to make it work? What would it be, and why? Doug, have you. Uh
1: come Got back
3: to of... oh, Ben, or maybe or maybe we can all answer this one next
2: week i I'd, I'd i'd like to see just throwing it out there just because i don't really understand it but it seems to do a really good job of some things i i would like to see a consolidated collegiate type approach to youth rugby um with some kind of uh not necessarily the draft but but at least a, a Instead of clubs having academies having a, a centralized collegiate approach to youth rugby, and then um, I need to think about how they those players would then get to clubs.
3: Do you remember a bit like Lillyshaw in the football? I mean I remember as yeah. a kid going to Lillyshaw on a on a club visit and watching like all these players from all over the country play for play for England because they used to have school and stuff at, at Lillyshaw. and imagine yeah. that for one.
1: It's interesting rugby. you say that i i went out for a <clears throat> coffee with a today who was quite quite a decent rugby player in his day and he was saying that the local rugby clubs are getting quite frustrated with the the premiership feeder system because they're they're taking they're who hoover, basically hoovering up all of the best talent from the local clubs to put into premiership academies then when these kids are getting to 16 17 they're discarding them and they're just disappearing from rugby completely because yeah like their dreams are broken they don't want to play it anymore so rather than letting these kids develop at lower level clubs and gradually filter up you are if you're pressuring these kids into taking what they think are professional contracts with wasps but they're they're essentially in the wasp system but playing for amersham and chiltern then at 17 wasps are saying to them no, you you shit, mate, you're not playing for us. And then they leave Amersham and Chiltern because like, well, if I'm not going to play for Wasps, why am I going to play here? And and the system at the moment is fundamentally broken to the extent where really talented rugby players are dropping out of the game because they're being told that they're not good enough for one of the 13 teams that are wealthy enough to pay them.
2: And, in, and instead of them going to these kind of centralised or semi-centralised um, development player programmes that, 15, 16, 17. I think just the clubs would do better um, kind of out, outsourcing, or not outsourcing is the wrong term, but sending some of their coaching knowledge out to the clubs at, at junior stages and other players then also getting the benefit from playing with some of these good good players and with with good coaching. I, I just think if you're half decent at the moment, like Doug said, if you if you're half decent, but you're not going to make the, the crop you end up doing a a hell of a lot of traveling seeing a hell of a hell of a lot of stuff going on but then come 16 17 whenever they they make the chop if you don't get a full academy contract you're kind of turfed out with not so much as a thank you
0: could could you almost make it like more like a, a hybrid almost like the baseball where if you picked a player say under 23 from uh, so say um, Bristol picked up a player from, say, Red Ruth. Then if, if he was under a certain age, they, had, they would have to replace him with, a, with an older player. So you have like a, a back and forth going. And if you call a player up, you've got to drop a player down to the club you, you bring them up from.
1: You could have a farm system, but that's essentially what they do at the moment anyway. So having thought about it now, what I would do is implement a a maximum squad size. So in the NFL, you're allowed a maximum squad size of 53 players plus nine or 10, I think, on a practice squad. And in your match day squad, you're allowed 49. So you have four healthy scratches from if your squad's fully healthy. So what that I think would do is where you've got premiership teams with fifty senior professionals plus an academy plus a youth setup, I would say to them, No, you're allowed fifty players, full stop, that is your entire roster. That would then filter talent into the lower divisions, which would then create more talented squads in the lower divisions, which would disperse talent, make the league lower leagues better, which Create a better feeder system, which would improve the game as a whole, in my
3: opinion. There you go. That
0: that I've, answers. That answers. I've, I've got one. Go on, then, Ben. So, have a coach's review. So that's
3: they're doing that in bloody Super Rugby,
0: aren't they? That's what yeah. They yeah. they're doing. A in cap, Super Rugby. Captain's they review. So, they so, bend it off. So so. I I don't know if this is how it worked in Super Rugby, but instead of having the video referee chiming in every five and a half seconds, just have, you've got one review per half. If you get it right, you keep it. If you don't, you lose it.
2: So, And that was the the theory with the captain's review, but there were some quite stringent um, requirements on what you could and couldn't use it for. Uh, And obviously the captain's being thick as shit just didn't pay any attention to that and they're like oh can we review that please because I think there was a knock on in the middle of the pitch mm. and the ref was like no you've just lost a review as well you've been told it's only for serious foul play or for a try scoring opportunity oh shit
0: I mean that that makes it a bit woolly doesn't it a try scoring opportunity I think you've got to give them more guidance than that but but that was the first yeah, thing that sprung into my and mind
2: there, and there probably was more guidance
1: Yeah. You know, the, the other thing I'd do is get. If we're talking about changing rugby, I'd get rid of touchline interventions from the uh to, yeah. from the um linesman. Matt Carley was up to it again this weekend, wasn't he? Yeah,
3: they were. They're always up to it. Like, and some some are more busy. Some are busier than others. The,
1: the busier ones tend to be the full time referees
3: that are stuck on the touchline. Probably because they got their asses on their hand for having to do a job for their mate. It's like. It's like the the guy that you've got around to your house at the weekend who's a, a full time bricklayer and you want him to build you a barbecue in the garden. Um, or help you build a barbecue in the garden. So you're there, you're there trying to do it, and he's like, Fucking come on, like do this, lay that this, there, put that This there.
0: doesn't sound like a hypothetical to me. <laughs> it sounds like I, something that's happened.
3: I, I haven't brick built a barbecue in my garden, that's for certain. Um, <laughs> humble brag. Humble brag. But yeah, I haven't thought of one. I've got to be honest. Um, I'm gonna have to give it some give it some thought. Believe
1: me, squad caps would improve a younger player's chances because squads would keep their really promising academy lads at the expense of some South African chancer. They would then filter down their on the way out players and players. Players on big money would would drop down because someone like Danny Cipriani, for example, his value would drop so he'd drop down the levels because he you know if you've got fifty players in a salary cap that you have to stick to, you're not going to be playing paying a luxury player. I'd get rid of all of this um, you know two players outside the cap, all that nonsense so I'd get rid of all of that. I'd just have a hard cap with 50 player maximum, deal with it. That's your squad. If you want to add a player, you have to cut a player. It'd be more cutthroat, but I think it would filter down the leagues and the talent would spread and there'd be more teams that could
0: compete. I've got an NFL question. Go on then. It might be one for people maybe to tweet their answers, but um, I think it was... Pat McAfee show they were talking about um how the NFL would get on in the Olympics and they picked a rugby sevens team from NFL players and I thought it'd be interesting to pick a a, like an Olympic rugby sevens team from the NFL well
1: you'd have to teach them all to pass first
0: yeah
3: yeah. Interesting. But, would it be filled would it be filled with running backs
0: and wide receivers?
3: Or would you have line they they, no, they went,
0: sure with linebackers? They went full running backs, but... but they're they're wrong. Well running backs
3: don't tackle people, do they, on the whole? So you would no. you would have you'd to you'd have pick people like pick linebackers. You'd people like Patrick Willis. Yeah. And um... Who was the lad that, that tore it up last season for Washington out of the draft? Yeah, I know
2: you that mean. that lad who tore it up in Washington last year. It'd be people like. like Did not um... he get arrested?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what his name is, but he He's was in awesome. a federal jail.
0: Chase like Chase Chase, Chase young. someone young. Chase Young.
1: Yeah, and the the Cleveland Browns D lineman. Oh,
3: yeah. um. Oh God, what's his name? Is he the one that hit the um, Pittsburgh quarterback with Miles Garrett? No. Miles Garrett.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, smash the quarterback with his helmet. Yeah, struggle to find a find a scrum half, I reckon.
2: As as riveting as this is, listening to you guys try and yeah. remember the names of obscure <laughs> NFL players. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, um, I bother.
3: I can't remember the name of rugby players. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let's let's move on because we've been going
2: for this, 30, this quick
3: forty five minutes hot quick, 45. Going Well, isn't it. Um. Oh, any other business? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? And I've got some. NFL related,
2: any other business? Just... Oh, of course, great. Yeah. Well, no, um, then, it,
3: I, I had my jab on Friday, Ben. Good
1: luck tomorrow, fella. <laughs> Thanks, man. Because uh, I had to drive to Exeter and back and do a game in the middle with full on Oxford AstraZeneca side effects. Well, let me tell you, those shits are bad.
3: <laughs> Should have said you're at Exeter. Would have tried to get um, up there,
1: but. Well, I wouldn't have had any interest in seeing you because I was so fully (laughs) in the locker that I couldn't do anything.
3: I would have had no interest in seeing you because I don't really like you. That's the end of the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to talk quickly about uh, NFL and fantasy football. And obviously the other week was the NFL draft. And it's a sort of time of year where people start firing up their, their fantasy leagues and people doing um like dynasty leagues that play dynasty literally 12 oh, months dynasty of the year english Come on. sorry well dynasty leagues 12 months of the year which is the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen and anyway I, I put out a um just a just a trade with somebody because I actually didn't have a, a starting quarterback in, in one of my teams and the trade basically not Everybody in the league gets to view the, the trade and all they did was go, oh, that's a fucking bullshit trade. What the fuck are you doing that for? I can't believe that's been accepted. I can't believe... Like, it had has zero impact on their team. And for that reason, I I, I decided to, to drop a, free, a few truth bombs at a few people in that league. And... Um, do I know the person? Yeah, you know? yeah, you absolutely do. And uh, to the point where I, I removed myself from the league and, and then those people just out of nowhere like decided to block me on all social media and remove me from all uh from another league that is um that has been set has been set up in in memory of uh sadly one of the guys who used to present on this podcast and they're doing a charity He's talking league. about this after the pod and uh yeah and just not gonna let me take part so you know it's pretty grown up and this
0: is fantasy NFL football, you know, it's the weirdest. There's some real virgins in the <laughs> NFL fantasy. I have noticed there are some very high maintenance people, real virgins, are, yeah. real virgins. Anyway, yeah, couldn't yeah. agree
3: more. Phil yeah,
0: could not agree
1: more. So, Just before um, you go, Phil, um, DK Metcalf, who is a Seattle Seahawks wide receiver ran in the uh, American 100-meter Olympic trials and clocked 10.37 seconds.
2: Yeah. I think that's why for it those, came
1: up. For those people who think the NFL, you know, they're not super athletes, he clocked 10.37 seconds. He's the 15th fastest man in America.
0: 15th at 10.3. Yeah. And he's
1: built like a brick shithouse
0: it
2: really is no oh, no that's fine um so uh my eldest son james uh who is 11 uh, did a bit of a charity thing last may and wanted to do something again this year so uh he has decided that he's going to for 30 days in a row um run three kilometers cycle three three kilometers in row one kilometer every day um and he's doing it to raise money for Tommy's, which is the baby loss research charity. Um, some of you guys know, not all of you might not, but, uh, unfortunately, Mrs. Farm vet and I lost, uh, uh, lost our son, Harry in between, uh, James and Charlie. Um, and it hit James pretty hard at the time. And, uh, has kind of shaped, been been instrumental in shaping our family going forwards i think it's fair to say but um is a big part of our lives so yeah massively proud of him for for taking that on um so if anybody wants does want to dig deep i'm aware there's a lot of people on the um on the on the twitter group have already done so um it's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash james may madness um and i'm sure Russ will. Uh, I'm, pretty sure we, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've
1: shared it already on Twitter. I, and I haven't done it yet, Phil. And I, I absolutely will. will be. Oh no,
2: I'm, I'm not going to do it until he's finished all 30 days. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fair play, proper dad, proper dad response. That. Yeah,
2: but well, yeah, every, everybody, everybody who's donated so far has been incredibly great. Um, we're incredibly grateful for, and they've been very generous and currently sits at 526 pounds donated which is super
3: it's a decent effort well done james well done james right let's get out of here because we've done uh oh, ben sorry did you want to do any of the business or are you uh...
0: no I had, a, Pfizer. I, I had a whimsical one but uh let's let's leave it there
3: yeah good 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 right uh we will see you next week after some rugby i guess um if nothing else enjoy your weeks go well